every night I go to bed and wish that I wake up in the morning six foot tall. Right? Oh yeah. And every that. morning I wake up and I'm five foot six. It's so important with like medical practitioners if you have like a bad gut feeling about it and you feel like you're not being listened to. Mm. Probably because you're not being listened to. 100%. If it doesn't feel right, it isn't. Hey Tanya, how's your morning been? Hey Deb, it's been a good morning and what a topic this is today. Yeah, it's a huge topic. So today we are actually going to be broaching the importance of bodily autonomy and the way it applies to intimate relationships, but also different contexts that we don't usually think about, like healthcare and identity expression. So Tanya, first things first, what actually is bodily autonomy? Okay, well, what this basically means is is control over one's own body, that we have the power and we give the permission and we have the ability to control what happens to our own body. So there's another term that's often used called bodily integrity, and that's kind of the premise that there's an inviolability, you can't violate the physical body, and it emphasizes the importance of personal autonomy when it comes to making decisions about your body, self-ownership, self-determination of human beings over their bodies. That is one of the most important phenomena in my books, just yeah. feeling like you have control over your own experience. Yes, and what, what is that? It's like how you choose to present your clothes, your jewellery, what your hair looks like. Do you put tattoos on your body? What shoes do you, you wear? Um, how you look after your body in terms of health, whether you do something, whether you don't do something. What's your self-care? What medical treatments may you choose, may you reject? Lots and lots and lots of decisions we make every day about our bodies. 100%. So it might seem quite self-evident, but why exactly is it important in particular? Um, because I think uh, not everybody gets that choice over their own bodies all the time in the world that we live in. Like we're talking about, yes, this is a great concept that human beings have full ownership of their own bodies, but this idealization of body integrity doesn't actually exist for female bodies, trans bodies, quite often people with disabilities, and many, many more different types of folk. In fact, some of the things that I've been learning in my studies of late have taught me that systemic oppression, and call that what you may, white supremacy, patriarchy, sexism, capitalism, racism, you can give it all the isms you like, but basically the people in power are making most people's bodies not okay in some way or another. Right. So generally, folks with different bodies to themselves. So what does that mean? That sometimes people can feel they are the wrong gender, wrong sex, wrong skin color, wrong size, different ability, wrong sexuality, wrong sexual attraction. Right. And what we need to understand is that all bodies are natural, normal, capable of delivering us pleasure, get us through this world. And what I'm having a big struggle understanding is why is it that a small majority of people get to dictate what happens to most people's bodies and how they determine what is, I'm putting inverted commas, fingers up, natural. It is really, it's almost absurd, like it's incredibly serious, but at the same time absurd that (laughs) there is this notion that 
you can't choose what body you're in. You're just born into a body, you exist in that body, and that body is how you experience the world. But then there's these people outside your body saying that the way that you occupy your body is wrong. It's it, not okay. Yeah. yeah. How can you change that? Like, can you change your skin color? No. I talk to clients all the time and say, you know, every night I go to bed and wish that I wake up in the morning six foot tall. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and every that. morning I wake up and I'm five foot six. I'm even doing my, my height in inches, so I'm showing how old I am. But do you know, yeah. there's not much that I can do about that. No, it's like it's one of those things that you have to, I guess, for me, like my journey to self-acceptance or whatever comes with, you know, the baggage of accepting one's body. But if there is all this like external pressure, not just internal pressure, which is arguing against the way that you like occupy your body, that makes it so much more complicated. Absolutely. And if we live in a world that doesn't allow every kind of body and human to take up space, there are big consequences. And we're going to talk through that and chat consequences at the end of this wee chat. So what does bodily autonomy look like in different contexts such as healthcare and reproductive choices? Okay, well in healthcare it looks like the right of patients to make decisions about their medical care without being intimidated by a healthcare provider, by the government, by a partner, by family or other people who might be trying to influence decisions. So issues here are things like being prevented from seeking medical or health treatment in some communities, like some communities won't let women source contraception or get birth control information or investigate any pain in that area. Uh, Some folks expect women to tolerate pain or sexual pain. Uh, The size of somebody's body is often a reason that is blamed for health problems and the full investigations are overlooked. Uh, Gender affirming healthcare is denied to some people as, you know, fanciful or not integral to their well-being. So you've got things like that, and then you have reproductive choices. Some people with disability are not given autonomy over their bodies if they want to get pregnant in some parts of the world. Um, Yeah, not being provided with education and birth control. There's a lot of things. And the way I view this is it's your body and it's your choice, right? And we need to really understand that. And when we look at sexual relationships, The World Health Organization has put together a number of sexual rights around the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences. That means free of coercion, free of discrimination and violence, and that people can uh, get the information that they need. So comprehensive, good quality information about sex and sexuality, uh, knowledge about the risks that they might face, their vulnerabilities, what happens if they have unprotected sexual activity. They need access to good sexual health care and they need to live in an environment that affirms and promotes positive sexual health, which is, you know, we talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah. And when you look at that not going well, what that looks like is, you know, some relationships are really sanctioned by society. You know, the world that we live in here is uh, cisgendered heterosexual monogamous relationships are the standard, gold standard. Yeah. But that means other things get frowned upon or in some parts of the world are illegal, like same-sex relationships, polyamorous relationships, open relationships, sex outside of marriage. So people can experience discrimination and uh, not be given the right to take up space in those areas. And again, looking at self-expression and identity, the way some folks look and present Uh, For some people, like we can change the colour of our hair, we could augment parts of our bodies, you know, make our breasts larger or smaller, put butt implants in, that sort of thing. But if people want gender affirming surgery, for some reason, that's not okay. I don't understand who makes those rules. 
you know, how some things that we can have control over our body are absolutely cool and other things are not. It's almost like it's if the decisions are going to be profitable in mm. some way, whether directly or indirectly to large corporations, because there's so many, like the beauty industry is such a, a oh. huge factor within all of this. And so if billions, you're like... Billions of dollars are invested in people's bodies not being okay. Yeah. So if there's more freedom of choice with expression of beauty standards, then that would really impact the industry because people are harder to control to make them more uniform in self-expression. Uh, yeah, what a point you make. And I just sort of think, well, really, but what if we encouraged everyone to celebrate their beauty in ways that they like? There's still room to have products, make money, have services. Yeah, or even just like there is a trend towards just in modernity, towards individualization. So yeah. if there's more of a celebration of difference, which we are starting to see in, in terms of representation, but it could yeah. go so much further. Yeah, it totally could. I can see change coming but oh it's gee it's got to move a lot faster and yeah. these conversations like today keep us thoughtful 100 percent, and it's also just really important to keep these things in in mind all the time because you know for some people it's like an everyday experience that they always carry with them so if people yeah. are fortunate enough to be listening and they don't really think about this too often then you know it's something that food for thought and Considering the way that other people take up space is just as important as considering the way that you take up space. Absolutely. You can invite other people to take up space and be curious about their experiences and wonder what's going on for them. Think, you know, my, my saying to people always is if you don't have to worry about it, it's a privilege. Yeah, 100%. And there's nothing sexier than asking heaps of questions and being curious <laughs> about someone else's experience in my books anyway. 100%. So, Tanya, actually, how does bodily autonomy relate to consent? This is a great question. Um, we all have control over our bodies and that includes how other people relate to our bodies. So I think people are understanding consent as kind of like a gatekeeping activity where we, we say yes and then things will proceed. But mm -hmm. we can choose whether we want to engage in sexual activities, what activities they are, and at any time we can change our mind and withdraw our consent. Right? And this is also relative outside of sexual activities. This can pertain to medical treatments, like people being sort of bullied into doing things a certain way or interactions with other people, agreements that we make, all sorts of things. We are in control of our bodies. So an example of when we're not, say, often when we're bringing up children, you know, they have things done to them like getting their bottoms wiped and nappies changed and things they don't want and being dressed. But things where we can give them control over their bodies, why are we forcing them to go and kiss and hug uncles and aunties? Yeah. Or things like that. So you know, true. We need to be teaching people that it's okay to say no and it's okay to hear no. 100%. Because those sorts of things keep us safe in the world. So, yeah, saying yes to something once doesn't mean it must happen all the time, doesn't mean we consent uh, to, it doesn't mean that we can't withdraw our consent or our agreement. Um, and it also doesn't mean that it's an ongoing yes. So we are allowed to change our minds. Something might seem like a really good idea. And then once we start, we're like, whoa, no, this is not for me. I need to stop this now. That's actually, it's such an important thing. I, I think I've gone through out like some of my life not really understanding that as well because I think the other side of this experience is learning how to receive like being told no when you were like originally yeah. told yes and being okay with that and realizing it's not like a personal reflection but it's actually you know it's fine like people are allowed to change their minds it doesn't mean that the person hates you if they've changed their mind no. it's just a matter of okay respect because 
consent is one of the most important things. It's like you don't want to accidentally do and, something yeah. to and someone. And we're keeping you safe by saying no. When somebody says no to me, I immediately say thank you for your no. I really yeah. appreciate that. It makes me feel safe because I know that you can say no yeah. and then I'm not going to overstep your boundaries because I don't want to do that. And if you don't tell me where they are, I might inadvertently do something that upsets you and I don't want to do that. Exactly. So someone telling you no is really a demonstration of their trust. Yeah, so it's always like thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the no. That's thank such a you. that's such a great way to yeah. to look at no. So what actually are the dangers of a society that restricts bodily autonomy? All right. So here we here we get into the big stuff, yeah. Yeah. This is really what's happening is it's the enforcement of structural impression. Right, that a small number of people in power get to make decisions that affect the bodies and lives of a great many people who are not like them. So we don't get equality. We get generational trauma, which is a lot, and it's a burden on the healthcare system and a lot of other things. We get a loss of culture and cultural practices. We get increased mental health issues. We have suicidality, unhappiness, dispossession. And all of these things actually have an impact on the planet, the environment, the economy, and how we live. So we need to kind of zoom out to see the bigger picture here because it's really enormous. I think that it's so easy to forget that central to our experience is each being in a body. That's one of our central commonalities. Yes. So if we overlook this as a political issue or like a central political issue or ecological issue, it really just erases the, the main frame in, in the frame itself. <laughs> uh, so how do we actually talk to um, our partners about bodily autonomy and make sure that we're feeling supported by each other? Um, also a good question. Think back to your body, your control, always. So your partner doesn't really get to have an opinion on how you present or what you do with your body. Um, they can about their own body, so they might say, hey, what you're doing there isn't working for me, all good. Um, other people will talk to, often talk to friends and family, lovers with concern about their health, but we've got to check in there, right, to see how much of this is policing. Yeah, so people often, you know, people have said to me over my lifetime, you need to lose weight. And I'm like, why? You know, what's that about? You know, is it, is it, are you really concerned for my health? Because I'm as strong as an ox and healthy and can do lots of things in some cases. In some cases, I've had dodgy knees, blah, whatever. But these are my decisions and these are other people's decisions as well. We can't try and police people into all looking the same, weighing the same, wearing the same clothes, having the same skin colour and having the same opinions. What kind of world would that be? Yeah, one from one of those dystopian movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I think really important things to consider, even things like terminal illness and sexual assault, people need to be empowered to make the choices that work for them, not other people, no matter how difficult that is to understand. You know, I've, I've worked supporting folks who've had sexual assault and often they don't want to go to the doctor or they don't want to talk to the police and their supporters want them to. You need to let people find their power their own way. It's their body. What's happened to it is up to them and they'll come to things in their own time. Same with managing your departure from this world. So how can someone start a conversation with people around them who try and restrict their bodily autonomy? Um, oh, yeah. Um, Amber's given us some tricky examples here. I was Definitely. like, oh, Amber, thank you for that. Um, so things like discussions about contraceptive use in relationships. Um, contraception can be used by all people and it's everybody's responsibility. It doesn't, form, doesn't fall into one 
one group of people. So we need to remember that. We also need to remember that it's usually folks with the penis who will cause the pregnancy because there is an ejaculation or ejaculate somewhere near a vagina. Um, if there's not that, then there'll be no pregnancy. So it's kind of funny that the majority of folk taking responsibility for pregnancies are folks with vulvas. Right? Yeah, so, so backwards. Yeah. So we need to think about that. And uh, we need to, uh, governments think too, that they can legislate then if folks that aren't taking control over birth control are then not responsible for um, pregnancies. I'm like, wow, what's happening here? This is where we're making the responsibility on one group of people. And then if things don't go well, they have to weather the consequences. Yeah. It doesn't seem right. So, so talking about that, really saying, okay, we're in this together. We're making fun together. We're going to do a bunch of things that are really cool together. Then we also need to be making sure we don't have experiences that we both don't want. Uh, so it's both of our responsibility. Um, it's the same one-sided decision-making when it comes to sexual intercourse, for example. Unless all parties agree, it's coercion. It's as simple as that. We have the right to say no. We have the right not to like things or enjoy things. We have the right to change our minds or stop. Right? And if you think about it in terms, Amber gave a beautiful example here of family members who don't support someone's gender expression or identity. It's your body. Um, this can be really difficult for family members who might have experienced someone as differently gendered and have problems understanding that their gender may have changed or be different for them. Um, but things that you can do are quietly connect correct pronouns, use correct names, don't dead name people, seek to understand rather than criticize, get help and support outside of the family if you can't get the family on board, if that's your experience. If you're a family member, see what you can do, just ask, be curious, what do you need? And perhaps pointing out ways that some people have autonomy over their bodies and you have exactly the same rights yourself if you're having people having difficulty with the way you want to affirm your gender. We are on Let's Talk About Sex. My name is Deb Marcus and I am joined in the studio by the beautiful Tanya Coons, who is our resident sexologist and pleasure activist. We are at the end of our discussion, our beautiful, important discussion about bodily autonomy. And I've got one question actually left for you, Tanya. So we've discussed this before, but for those of us who identify as women, um, we often face challenges advocating for ourselves in a healthcare setting especially when it comes to sexual and reproductive health. So what are your tips for finding supportive, non-judgmental medical professionals? This is a really good question. And this has been such a big topic. We could talk about this forever. Um, I think be the squeaky wheel, right? Don't accept things if they don't feel right or they're not working for you. Remember, most medical research has been conducted on the bodies of white men and we're now starting to realise that different bodies have different responses to disease and medical conditions. For example, endometriosis didn't even have a name until the 1970s. What? Yeah, and then it took another 20 years for the medical profession to realise that it affected black women differently. That's such right. a lag. It is, right? And this is not an unusual story. We need to pay attention, ask for treatments and tests, and don't let medical practitioners brush us off. Squeaky wheel. So we can be asking around, getting recommendations for practitioners who will listen to you and take you seriously. They do exist. For example, ACON, the AIDS Council of New South Wales, has a directory of queer and trans-friendly medical practitioners. So if that's your, your thing, you can go and have a look there. Don't let doctors tell you that pain or discomfort is nothing 
or to be expected. It's not. If you don't like a practitioner or you can't understand, ask for a referral to a different practitioner. I know that women suffering sexual pain from a, one of my uni cohort folks uh, studied it and said they see upwards of 18 different practitioners and spend over $22,000 oh before they find someone who believes them, knows what's going on and can help them. Often that person's me or one of my colleagues. Uh, this is appalling and we allow this in society because we're shaming people for having problems or not conforming to the standards of other bodies that are different to theirs. A hundred percent. And it's so important with like medical practitioners, if you have like a bad gut feeling about it and you feel like you're not being listened to, mm. it's probably because you're not being listened to. hundred percent. If it doesn't feel right, it isn't. Uh, yeah. you know, next, go find another doctor, ask around. Your friends will often know people. Yeah. You can always send me an email because I have a list of practitioners that are cool and are going to look into things well and properly and not mm. shame anyone. It's crazy how much of a difference being listened to can make in the context of like medical oh, bodily autonomy. You're so you're so right, Deb. Often when people sit on my sofa and we're chatting and I'm going, oh, okay, is it like this and what about that? And super curious, I can watch their bodies just relax and go, oh, my goodness, you actually get what's going on for yeah, me. It's, yeah. it's, it's so awful that people have to suffer on their own for so long, I think. You've tuned in to Let's Talk About Sex and you can also tune in in future in two weeks' time for more chats about really important topics such as today's discussion on bodily autonomy. Thanks so much, Tanya, for joining me in the studio. It's always a pleasure to talk about pleasure with you. (laughs) Total pleasure. And today was such a privilege to be able to talk about. We only just touched over the top of things. So do contact us if you've got questions. We'll try and answer them for you in the next episode. 